in 2013, I coined the name Grampian, and I gave it to your host, Jim Tracy. Hey folks, welcome to the very first, the launch program for the Grampian. We, we, we've done this a couple of times, and uh, so due to some technical difficulties, we're back with you, but it's pretty audacious that someone would come on a podcast and call themselves the Grampian, but actually... I did not name me the Grampian. I don't take credit for it. I also don't take blame for it. But the guy who did is with me here in studio today. May I present the one, the only, the amazing Wesley Tracy. Welcome, Wes, to Thank the you. Grampian Podcast. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, the story, do we want to hear the story of the Grampian? Should we tell everybody? I think they should probably know it wasn't <laughs> okay. all me. Man. Yeah, so uh, it was out at Panther Lake, uh, what was it, 10 years ago, I think now. 2013, right? Yeah, 2013, 10 wow. years ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 2013, yeah. So we were out at Panther Lake, um, and we were playing a game, uh, and you had won again, obviously, because <laughs> why would you? Yeah, so we we were playing a game, you had won, and... Uh, you were saying, "Oh, now I'm the champion," and I was like, "Well, you're a grandpa. You can't, you can't, you can't be champion because you're a grandpa. So if you want to be a champ, you want to, if you want to be a champion, you got to be a grandpa and a champion. So the grandpian, the grandpian was born. The now grandpian. there's a little bit of conflict about what actually happened. Some people say you're not a grandpa, you're not a champion, you're a grandpian, and some people say you're a grandpa and a champion. But you know, I think that I think- story has to die." Because th- it's, it's really irrelevant. Now. I think it's your uh, a ch- a champion at being a grandpa. All right. Well, thanks, so. man. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, the reason I wanted you here is number one to clear up any confusion about someone being so arrogant as to name themselves a grandpian. But also, that was really the genesis. But I, uh, in this podcast, I interview champions, and as I look at you, I see someone who's seventeen years old who spent a full summer up on a mountain cowboying on the back of a horse, who is learning how to fly and flies an airplane at 17. And I see someone who is a professional hunting guide. And I think that if I look at all those things, I've never known anybody before who did all three of the, or did any two of those things, or even really did, <laughs> did one of those things. And yet you've assembled this incredible young adulthood where you're i dude you're rocking it thank you yeah it's (laughs) a lot of the people around me and putting blessings and different opportunities in front of me so (laughs) but you got to grab them yep yeah all right so um so i'm gonna go back a a year ago you spent an entire summer like uh, when school got out the end of may all the way through september so yeah i was actually down here in boise uh working at a coffee shop and uh doing school at the same time homeschool homeschool yeah Yeah. so homeschool and then i would work at a coffee shop in the afternoons and then uh after that year was up it was the summertime i went back to my house uh to my place over in washington and um my dad was like well we need we need an extra hand you to we need somebody to go ride horses eight hours a day five days a week up on uh we call it the mountain it's uh just north of ghetto falls so. yeah so up near the canadian border <laughs> yeah i mean where our base camp is 10 miles south of the canadian border so and it's like seriously in the middle of the mountains oh yeah for sure i mean the the closest town is uh like from from the cabin that we were at it's 
four four and a half miles away, which doesn't sound like that much until you realize. I think the population is less than a hundred people in that yeah. town. Yeah. yeah. And then then the closest town from there would be Kettle, which is a forty thirty to forty minute drive. So. And I think people would find it fascinating to think about at that time a sixteen year old who rode horses for eight hours a day, and it was really more than five days a week. It was more like six and a yeah. half days a week. Yeah, and so... No electricity. Yep. No, no indoor plumbing. Nope, no. Um, cell phone works rarely. Uh, it was only when we were uh, in town, pretty much. So once a week, <laughs> when we were down when we were down in, in the big town, which was still, I mean, Kettle and Colville aren't yeah. huge. So. And you're riding the rail, you're riding the range, which is happens to be mountains, ten and cattle, and that's mamas and babies. Yep. Yeah. In an area of the country that uh has things like wolves and bears. And- yeah. <laughs> so yeah, me and uh the cowboy that I was up there with, his name's Jack. Um, we would usually get up, we'd try to beat the heat cause that was the worst part of it was, I mean, it gets hot up there. So, um, we would get up around, around four o'clock in the morning and we'd be riding four thirty, five o'clock and then we'd ride eight hours from there. So we'd be riding until one, two in the afternoon. Just, I mean, we'd saddle our horse. Sometimes we would, uh, take a trailer up. So we'd put the horses in the trailer and these are all young horses, by the way. I mean, uh, they're, they're what we call them colts. So um, they had just been trained to be able to have somebody on them uh, the year before. <laughs> so taking these young horses up there and putting I'm um, just tons of miles on these horses and then riding through cattle and uh, just getting sure. the, that experience and yeah, well, and then tending to the cattle. You too. were riding the range, man. Should yeah. have been the 1700s, 1900s, whatever. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, it was a good time. So, but you were not born in the wrong era at all. And no. the reason I say that is that since you were just a, a little kid, and I mean, like you're way taller and more handsome than me now, but <laughs> but when you were a little kid, you flew into Saratoga with me, and you looked over at me and you said, "A drop a little more altitude," and I'm like. Yeah, I don't think four-year-olds are supposed to use those big words. Yeah, that's a funny story because <laughs> to be able to get in that, so I was, I think, two years old, um, and you had told me uh, you had just gotten your plane just a year or so before that, Yeah, and you had told me, if you want to ride in the Saratoga, you got to be potty trained, yeah. and I was two years old, and three days later, I got my booster seat, put it in the <laughs> plane, and off we went. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and that was pretty cool, but did that? Did that experience? Did that make you think, "Whoa, this is pretty cool. I might wanna, I might wanna take this up as a career." Oh yeah, definitely. So uh, right now, actually, I'm going through uh, probably probably about halfway through pilot training. Mm-hmm. So flying a 172, and uh, I've flown two different planes, but mostly doing training in a 172. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, I've got about six, seven, seven hours now in the pilot seat. Yeah. Um, and then I pilot just, in command. Yeah. Pilot PIC. Yeah. And just finished uh, ground school a couple of weeks ago. So, all right. Yeah. All right. But you've also flown a Saratoga and you've flown a jet. And yeah. You've done Sar- some pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Haven't you? Yeah. The SR 20. So SR 20 is serious. Yep, yeah. Sirius, and SR-20. your flight instructor thinks you're pretty cool. Yeah, my flight instructor is pretty cool too. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what they say about pilots? They're all pretty cool and it never wears off. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody can make you not a pilot once you're a pilot. Yeah. So. All right. So you've got the cowboy experience and then you've got the aviation experience. What do you want to do with aviation over the long term? What, what, I mean, what part of this 
champion part of your life, being a pilot at 17 is fascinating enough where you want to take it to the next level. What is that next level? So the biggest thing is uh, I definitely want to do some mission work. Um, so I'm not sure what that's going to look like or where it will be, but mm -hmm. that sounds like uh, definitely a direction I would want to head towards. And um, But most of it, even, even through missionary, I want to fly bush planes. So... Uh -huh. Like, I mean, a mall would be pretty sweet to fly. <laughs> but what, what led to this fascination with bush flying? So, well, when I was little, when I first started seeing planes and stuff, you took me to an air show uh -huh. and I saw F-16s and I mean, I was in love. I was like, there's nothing I want to do more than grow up and fly F-16s. Yeah. And then as I grew up, I realized that it doesn't just go to jets too. Like there's all sorts of other planes out there and I've seen different like, uh, stall competitions and stuff on mm -hmm. youtube and stuff like that and um i've talked to a stall stall is not stall stall okay stall okay stall yeah so a stall yeah. in aviation yeah. is like yeah, really that's bad. bad yeah and but a short takeoff and landing yeah. so okay. people want to understand stole, that you're yeah. talking about i want to do short takeoffs yep. and landing yeah stol stall yeah. yeah so um as he's self-taught self-taught so um uh and bad grammar homeschooling right, right? So, uh so yeah so um definitely I, I i don't know if i want to be based out of alaska but i mean i love hunting and stuff like in hunting and fishing and so um i definitely want to as a senior trip or um something go up to alaska and experience that and uh, it, the, really when I started going into like, I want to fly bush planes was I got to fly in a aqua amphibious, um, beaver and we flew, we were doing a hiking trip off Lake Chelan. We flew uh -huh. from Chelan down to Stahican in a beaver. And I, I mean, a beaver, I, I mean, it's kind of a bush plane type thing, but I mean that just backcountry flying was like, yeah. I loved it. All right. Beaver, otter, doesn't matter. Put some floats on it and it's west. Oh, in yeah. In the chair. <laughs> Left chair, baby. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> okay. So you mentioned hunting. And when you talk about hunting, um, I'm thinking like Wes, I, when he is a kid, he's like a pretty good hunter. I mean, he's like like way above average. Um, <laughs> but you didn't really have that burning desire and love that I saw like in some of your brothers, but all of a sudden, boom, there it is. And I get this call out of the blue and it says, um, hi, your grandson, Wes, he is a professional hunting guide at 17 years old. He's taking corporate clients, pheasant hunting at a ranch in Eastern Washington. Who in the world gets to do that at 17? Yeah, it's, it's a blast. So, um, I mean, like I had always hunted with my brothers and my, and my dad. And, uh, we, we would hunt down deer hunt down in, uh, Dayton. So up in the blues. Yeah. Um, and I love deer hunting. Um, but, uh, I mean, I still love deer hunting, but it wasn't really, I didn't start like super loving hunting until we went to Hecla. Uh -huh. uh, so we got to tell people what Hecla is. But before we do that, we're going to give a shout out to Grandparents Academy. Do you know okay. that we have a sponsor here? I did not know that. Yeah, we've got a sponsor of our first, very first podcast. That's awesome. Grandparents Academy. And uh, we just appreciate them helping grandparents be better grandparents. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to say, here, here's some of the tools that equip you to be well, hey, they could eat, they could even be a grampian if they wanted to, right? Yeah. Yeah. So be a grandpa, be a grandma, and be a grampian. 
at Grandpa's or Grandparents Academy. All right. That's awesome. So when we talk about Hecla, we're talking about a place that is up in the northeast corner of South Dakota. It's a little town. There's not very many people that live there either. And uh, in our family since 1950, there's been this little chunk of dirt that other people would just glance at and they'd go, hmm, big deal. But it's on the edge of a national waterfowl refuge or national wildlife refuge. And we've done some duck hunting and we've done some goose hunting and we've done some pheasant hunting, pheasant hunting, the wily roosters, the Chinese ringneck pheasant. Oh, yeah. South Dakota state bird. And it's on a lot of people's bucket list to go do some of the things that you've already done there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we would go, I mean, just hunting pheasants up in Hecla. We, I mean, we would get up in the morning, we'd go hunt all, we'd hunt for pheasants in the morning and then we'd go out and lay in some duck blinds or lay in a, sit in a pit waiting for geese. Yeah. And then we'd go back out in the evening and, and kill some more pheasants. So. Yeah. Early ducks, then pheasants, then geese, then pheasants. Yep. Does that work for you? Oh, yeah. That's a pretty good day. Oh, yeah. That's a pretty good day. So, And now um, I work at Miller Ranch right outside of Sprague. Um, So between Spokane and uh, Moses Lake, pretty much. So so. because this is an international podcast, we ought to tell them that Sprague is in Washington State, it's United in Washington States, States of America. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So we're in America. <laughs> this is like yeah. the whole World Wide Web, baby. Yeah, Man, we got to right. tell everybody what we're talking about geographically. All right. So yeah, it's a little town in Washington, right south of Spokane. So yeah. Um, and so and, when you talk about Miller Ranch, is this is this a ranch? Yeah. Well, so. They call it a ranch because a lot of people, when they're when they're talking about a ranch, it's not always cattle. It's not a lot of times you'll have like a goat ranch or a sheep ranch, which my dad wouldn't like that. He'd call them goat farmers or, or sheep farmers. But um, it, I think they call them shepherds, buddy. Yeah, yeah. So the, truthfully, though, uh, it's it's not a cattle ranch. They they ranch pheasants, and they call it Miller Ranch is because they used to be cattle ranchers, yeah. and then they transitioned over to another beautiful example of a family business surviving in America over the long term. Yeah, huh? yeah, right yeah. on. So, so anyway, you you somehow went to them and they said hey you're 16 years old at that time yeah 16 yeah and you should be a professional guide yeah so uh what happened is uh i called them up uh i figured out they were needing some help um and who doesn't these days right yeah seriously (laughs) so uh i called them and i said hey man uh i'm looking for a job i'm young um uh, and I love hunting. I've hunted my whole life. Um, and I can also, I can, I mean, I could work in the shop, all sorts of stuff. Cause it's not always hunting, right? We've got four wheelers, ATVs, and then they farm during the summer months. So there's a lot of mechanicing to be done too. All right. So uh, you're good at turning wrenches. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say good, but I can do it. Definitely. Okay. Wait a minute now. Uh, so I hate to interrupt, but I'm going to interrupt. You just, I mean, two nights ago, you were up until like three in the morning working with your dad and, and you dropped an, an, a rebuilt motor into an 86 Toyota pickup that's yours. Is that correct? Yep. So uh, I bought an 86 Toyota pickup. And then we... <laughs> How many 17-year-olds do you know that, that turned wrenches on an engine and then dropped it overnight? And did it start? Yeah, so uh, it, I mean, it's not it's not done yet. We we dropped it. We got the transmission and uh, engine rebuilt, put uh-huh. them in. 
uh, got everything hooked up and then did a lot of praying before we turned the key. <laughs> and then we uh, started it up. Um, and I mean, it fired, it fired right up and uh, we got definitely a lot of tuning and stuff to do, but that's, I mean, we were up uh, all night. I mean, we had started about noon, one o'clock yeah. in the afternoon. And then we worked all the way until about two, three o'clock in the morning. We got it started and we got started 10 minutes before I left to the airport to come here. To the So you got it started, then you came here. Yep. Well, yeah. that's, dude, that's a Grampian move. All on your own. That's a, gra- a champion move from a Grampian. Grandpa. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. Uh, so I'm sorry, I interrupted regarding... Miller Ranch, yes. Miller so, Ranch, yeah. a family business. Now they they ranch pheasants. And yep. they do this little duck and goose hunting and some other stuff like that, trap shooting. But yeah. it's really an outdoorsman place, isn't it? Yeah. So um, I had called them about getting the job. They said, hey, why don't you come out for a day? We'll see if we like you. We'll see what you can do, handling dogs, stuff like that. So I come out. Wait, wait a minute. Handling dogs? Yeah, so... Now, a lot of people know me as a dog <laughs> handler, so you just completely got my attention. Okay, so yeah. So uh, they, they've they got a bunch of different... So they do trap trap shooting, and then they do... Trap shooting. Now, it, what is that? Trap shooting. A lot of people aren't going to know. I mean, we know this inherently because we've been doing it since Shep was a pup, but... <laughs> okay, so trap shooting is where you've got little orange... They're like little Frisbees, but they're about the size of my palm. Yeah, clay and, pigeon. Yeah, clay pigeon is what they yeah. call it. And so they're made of clay. They go in this, uh, they call it a launcher. Mm-hmm. You load them up in there, and it has an arm on it that flings them out into the air. Flings them yep. flying up in the so air. So it flings them, and it's like, it's pretty much mimicking bird hunting. So uh-huh. it's going to fling fling a clay pigeon out there, and then there's a line of guys with shotguns, and one of them will stand there. He'll say pole. They'll one whoever's holding the remote flings one out there, and then they they try to shoot it. So. And this is a legitimately cool sport, is it not? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, so if if they want to look up trapper skeet on YouTube, man, that'd be yeah. a great place for you to learn about the outdoor yep. relationship between hunters and sportsmen and yeah. firearms. Yeah, yeah. Safe so, firearms. Safe firearms. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, I keep interrupting you, man. But no, you're okay. So you're out. You interview. Over the phone and say, "Hey, I, I've done some stuff." Yeah, you're 16. I mean, let's face it, you're 16, and I've done some stuff. And they're like, "Uh huh, sure, yeah, come on out." And then you fill in the blank. Yeah, so I come out. I uh, showed them. We worked in the shop a little bit my first day. Um, actually, we pulled a transmission um, on an F three fifty. So well, Ford, that figures. You got to fix it, yep. man. And fix it yeah, repair I think, daily. <laughs> I think working at that place, that Ford's been up on the lift more than it has been off the lift. So. Yeah, that's what most Fords are like. <laughs> we'll, well, I'm not going to get a Ford sponsorship. I can promise you that. <laughs> All right. So um, yeah, so I come out. We did a little bit with wrenches. We did a little bit of hunting. And while we were hunting, they've got twenty dogs that they go hunting with. Mm-hmm. So most of it's pheasant hunting and chucker mm-hmm. um, is what they do hunting wise. And uh, with the dogs, we'll go out there and we'll spread all the guys out in a line and we'll hunt down. We have two different dogs that we use. So one of them is going to be a pointer. Two different types of yeah, dogs. Yeah, so two different. Yeah, okay. there are two different uh, breeds and then they have two different jobs. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So we use a German short hair is the breed and we use them for pointing. Uh, oh, so what, what is pointing? That means they're like 
Yeah, so... I got this bird? Yeah, so these birds are going to be out in the field, and the pointer works in front of us, and when he smells a bird, he'll he'll get down low, and then when he sees it or when he, when he knows there's a bird there, he'll get really still and almost lay down on the ground, and then his tail will point straight in the air. Uh-huh. And so we call that a, a solid point, and then... Then we have. So he's sending you a message. Yeah. Like, so I got the bird and it's right it's in front pretty, of me. It's pretty much him going, whoa, hey, there's there's a bird right here, guys. All right. And so the other dog that we use, it's usually a lab. We got a lot of black labs that we use. Right on. And we. We'll forgive that. I like yellow labs, but <laughs> I'll forgive a black lab. Yeah. So we do have a couple of yellow labs too, but okay. most. And good ones. Yeah. So we. <laughs> we uh, they, they are, they're, we call them the hunters, um, even though they're both hunting dogs. They're flushers. Yeah. Hunt, hunters and flushers. So yeah. the, the, they, the, the flushers have two different jobs. They're going to be working right in front of you and they'll go along the whole line of guys and they're trying to, uh, bust any birds right in front of you. Like scare them up. Yeah. Scare them up. So that way we can shoot them. Uh-huh. And then when the pointer goes on point, I'll call that dog back to me and we'll get I'll call the the flusher back to me, so that lab, and then we'll get all the guys set up where we want them around the bird, so they can safely yeah. have a shot. Yeah, so that way we're bird. not so that way we're not busting a bird and people yeah. getting confused, and we don't want anybody hurt. Yeah. So we'll get everybody set up and everybody, and I'll let everybody know, hey, there's a bird right here, guys. Let's get it. Let's get around it, and then. And it's not a circle that we're using. It's more of like a V shape. Yeah. Like, so let me paint a picture for the folks. You get all these guys, and these are corporate customers who are coming out and they're trying to do team building. And you as a 17 year old are saying, come on guys, let's be in here. Let's be safe. I'll show you how the dogs work. And then you get to watch these marvelous dogs do their job. Oh yeah. And then the bird gets up and what happens? So then, I mean, a lot of these guys, I mean, I don't want to be hurting on, hurting on them or anything like that, but I mean, most of them haven't handled guns that much, so it's a lot of shooting once the bird gets up. Yeah. But there's usually one or two guys in there that they're pretty accurate and yeah. they can get the bird down. So. All right. So then you're harvesting organic protein. Yep. Yeah. So then we'll take we'll take all those birds back, and then we've got a big, huge cleaning room, and mm-hmm. we'll cut them up and process them and then put them in vacuum bags and they get to take them home and eat them. All right. Sweet. You know, Gus, Gus, I'm sorry, Wes. (laughs) Gus is his older brother. Um, Wes, you've already across 17 years done more stuff at a champion level, really. I mean, there's a lot of people who've sat in an airplane, but there's not many people who have been singularly in control of an aircraft and for the safety of the passenger, even if your passenger is a flight instructor or a grandpa, yeah. um, and but been singularly responsible for the safety of your passengers, you have been cowboying by yourself, no electricity, no plumbing, no television, certainly, no internet, Yep. and communications, you had to go, like, if bad stuff happens, you have to go get communications rather than just, like, Punch yep. your cell phone. Yeah. And riding a horse, you've been like riding a horse yeah. in steep mountain country. Yep. Gathering cows, making sure cows aren't in trouble, making sure the wolves are not like having and, lunch at your place. <laughs> yep. <laughs> making sure the bears aren't scaring cows down the mountain. Yep. I mean, uh, that uh, that's an epic level of cool for someone who's 50. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. But you're not 50. Yet. Yeah. You're, you're so uh, as I look at that and I and I look at what you've done, uh, pilot, hunting guide, cowboy, 
What's next on your radar? What What do you see in the future? How? I mean, when you're when you're 18, how in the world are you gonna top this? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, uh, definitely gonna keep flying. That's my dream. I wanna do that. And uh, I mean, I guess there's gonna be a lot of figuring it out and doing a lot of the the same cool stuff. So um, this next hunting season, starting this September, we're gonna go back in and do some more hunting. Uh-huh. Um, we'll do. An, I'll be hunting this season, and uh, hopefully, uh, we'll get. I'll have my pilot's license here pretty quick. Uh-huh. Um, and then, I mean, just mostly there, uh, making money so that way I can purchase my first aircraft. Yeah, to finish out flight school because you got to support your yeah, habit. So, now, who paid for your flight school? Uh, myself. So because people yeah. are gonna think, yeah, he's sitting with that guy. That guy probably paid. I haven't paid a dime for your flight yeah, school. Yeah, so I, I have had a little bit of help from my parents. They helped uh-huh. me pay for ground school, and then uh-huh. uh, they gave me a gift one time. They paid for one of my flights. But other than one of your flights, yeah. Which yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't know those flights are pretty expensive. I mean, the plane that I'm renting, it's uh, two hundred dollars an hour. That includes fl- fuel. And then for the instructor, it's another $90 an hour. So, so I'm guessing you don't make $290 an hour. So you got to work a lot of hours yeah. to get one hour of flying. Yeah, so um, uh, during this off-season when we're not hunting, I'm actually helping my uh, grandfather, Phil. We are He has a handyman business. And so I've been helping him three days a week and then helping uh, my parents at the ranch two days a week. Wow. Trying to make some money for flights. So at 17, you've worked at a ranch. Miller Ranch, you've worked at a coffee shop, you've worked at a handyman business, you've worked at... Cowboy Inn. Cowboy Inn. Yep. And you're still up trying to get your pilot's license, you're still going to continue to hunt, and you're still going to cowboy when required. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, one of my other brothers, uh, he's doing uh, some farming for another farmer that's right next to us that, Uh that I helped out he actually bought some fields from a farmer that I helped out uh, earlier. It was about four years ago uh-huh. so or five years ago now, I think, um, doing harvest with them. So, I mean, there, that, there's a lot of stuff to do during the summer and just keep yourself busy. So. You're not letting any grass grow under your feet, are you? Yeah, no. You know, that's, that's indicative, Wes, of a champion lifestyle. Thank you. And so I, I, man, I'm looking at you and I'm thinking there's a lot of adults who would want to grow up and be Wes. And that's one of the things that makes you a champion. So folks, um, as we sit here with Wes and we dial off this show, I want everybody to know that you too can be a champion and, and, uh, all it takes is a little bit of initiative and, and a whole lot of elbow grease. And Hey, let's, uh, let's all go out there and become a grampian. This is Jim and I'm out. When you get an opportunity, subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcast.